You're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. Today, we're talking about another Marvel movie, hot off the heels of our Black Widow mini episode, kind of. Well, it was it was a full episode, just Black Widow was only a little part of it last time. Uh, we're going to talk about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. This movie, we talk for way longer than we expected to, but there is a spoiler warning once we get into the big plot stuff, which I just about said here right before having to add another spoiler warning. Yeah, anyway, anyway, without further ado, let's get right into it. And here is some songs from Shang-Chi, probably the main theme, honestly. That's probably the best, uh, best choice here. So here's the main theme from Shang-Chi. You're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where eventually we will only talk about Disney movies because at this point, isn't every movie a Disney movie? Here, your thoughts. Oh, every movie is a Disney movie is something very terrifying to me as of late. I, maybe before I would have been more receptive, honestly, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what you said, right? Every movie is a Disney movie? Eventually, every movie will be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like... I don't think they've acquired a major company this year, but they acquired a major company last year. I mean, eventually Sony will just fold and become Disney. We're, we're getting closer and closer to the BoJack Horseman universe. Finally. I just need to watch that show now. It's very terrifying <laughs> and extremely depressing. So best of luck to you. It's very good. Thank you. There's my secret recommendation of the week. Go watch BoJack Horseman, everybody. But we're not actually here to talk about BoJack Horseman because Pierre has not seen that yet. 
I have not. Well, other than like two episodes. Yeah. So uh, what have you seen, Pierre? What are we going to talk about today? Well, recently I have seen Shang-Chi, The Legend of the Ten Rings that came out, what, last week? Hell yeah. And, uh, and I watched it with you, Jeff. Sure did. Little, and it ended, what, like 45 minutes ago or something? Maybe an hour ago? Uh, might it might almost be an hour now. This is very fresh. We got yeah. fresh thoughts coming at you. Mm-hmm. Do you have a fresh plot summary for us? <laughs> I do. I do. Oh, wow. I'm really okay. glad I just saw this because, like, I probably would have been able to recount the plot before. But so basically, uh, Shang Chi. He he's a man who immigrated to uh, San Francisco. Is it San Francisco or San Diego? San Francisco. San Francisco. When he was about 14 from from China. Turns out that he is the son of an immortal supernatural warlord. So he has to go back to um, China to fight his warlord father because his warlord father is doing some stuff which will probably end humanity as we know it. And like, that's the very brief summary. Um, But really, this is like a, this is a bog standard plot. It's not really doing too much special in that regard this really this movie is really more about the interactions between the different characters and like i think that this movie is lives and dies on the strength of its actors so that's the summary of the plot and really i don't think i missed anything too uh important did i pierre at least like without going into spoilers yeah uh, yeah i would agree saying it's carried by the actors is a great summary of this movie in my opinion because the plot was yeah not great but anyways we will talk about the plot later because um we should talk about the good things first like i guess the acting sort of we have simi simu lu from a canadian what canadian korean uh actor uh who played in who acted in kim's convenience that's the only other thing i know him from yeah i don't know that he's been in much else uh no not really I think he directed. I know he directed a, a short film. I think. Oh, also, he is not Korean. Uh, in In Kim's Convenience, he plays a Korean, but he is he is Canadian Chinese. Oh, cool. But yeah, he's. Uh, I guess he's kind of up and coming now. I I was really surprised when he got such a big role so quickly because I didn't really like him in King, in Kim's Convenience. I thought he was probably like the worst actor on the show, honestly. Um, but he does pretty decently. This is like kind of reminds me of. I want to say old Marvel strategy, but like, I don't know that Marvel ever stopped. Uh, Marvel likes to cast people who are, who either like don't have a huge, don't have a career that's like really popping off or like either they're new actors or they're actors whose careers are like kind of on the decline or at the very least not mega stars yet. Like even when they cast Benedict Cumberbatch, like, he was his career was popping off, but he was still like he still hadn't been in too much at that point. I'd say he was he, pretty big, honestly. He he was pretty big because the stuff he had been in was huge. But I would actually say that like I don't think his filmography was nearly as big then as it is now. Which, oh, for sure. I mean, uh, that's that's I, also just time, but still. Yeah. Well, honestly, I can't think of much that he's doing right now because I remember before Doctor Strange, he had like he was getting in like. What he was he was really well known for the imitation game, Sherlock. Well, Sherlock was kind because of, Sherlock was his big break, right? And then I feel yeah. like after Sherlock, he got a surge of roles coming in. And then after Doctor Strange came out, I feel like I haven't actually seen much of him. So um, he was in 1917, and he's in a new movie coming out this year called The Power of the Dog, which we will talk about here because it's getting a lot of awards buzz. So like, yeah, even if we don't want to talk about it, we're going to have to. 
Yes. Okay. But yeah. So. Anyway, Liu. You're, you're right about Simu Liu and that he uh, like isn't that big. I guess Marvel will make him big, just like they made all the other Avengers pretty big when they weren't famous. Um, mm-hmm. I still don't think he. I mean, maybe it was partly the writing, but he he does kind of give a stilted performance, in my opinion. I personally like. I don't disagree, but I definitely think that's mostly the writing because. Uh, I guess we're going to say this a lot. I won't get into two specifics, but I don't think the writing in this movie is that great. Like it's fine. It's passable. It's it's not the best. And like, I think that Simu Liu here, he gives a very, he plays a character who has a very standard, not necessarily a very standard origin story, but he's like playing it kind of like a standard origin story. He doesn't have that much to do. This is for us to like, He's got to confront his father and he's got to confront his past and become a better person. It's not exactly like a really out there character that requires too much, but he he plays it well. He just doesn't have too much to do, I think, even though he is in most of the movie. (laughs) Even though he's the star of the movie. I mean, I think that's an inherent problem is that, yeah, he's not really given a a hard character arc. I, I think when they were writing it, this sounds weird, but he has the illusion of a character arc. But he actually doesn't in that, like, at the start of the movie, they they re- they show that Sean or Shang-Chi is, like, a very lazy person, right? Um, mm-hmm. A valet or whatever, and he has no ambition, right? His, his a character arc is, like, overcoming that, but not really at the same time, if that makes sense. I guess we can talk about that more in the plot. Yeah, I would agree, though, because I don't think, uh, we'll, we'll get to it later, but I don't think that, like, by the end, I've seen any compelling evidence to see that he's either, like, not lazy, or at the very least that that's changed over the course of the movie, because, yeah. like, he's shown as lazy at the beginning of the movie, but honestly, I think that's more misdirection than anything, because, like... He's actually not. The very first thing we see him do is get up, uh, get up out of bed, and immediately do like a hundred push-ups. So like, he's yeah. not. <laughs> it's not like lazy, lazy. <laughs> he's not lazy, lazy. <laughs> it, it, uh, you could almost just say he was like lying low, but yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, I I just feel like Simu. Uh, once we kind of got past the more casual stage of the movie in the first act, he couldn't really fulfill the dramatic moments, I guess. But again, I think that was part of the writing as well as he didn't really get those moments i think what i'll say about simu liu here or, or like about shang chi going forward in the marvel universe is this is something i would kind of say about brie larson's captain marvel as well i don't know that like shang chi comes across as a as that interesting a character in his own movie mm-hmm. but i'm very excited to see how he's written when he's in like a team-up movie which i think is where Captain Marvel will eventually shine as well. <laughs> eventually. eventually shine, yeah. That makes sense. I'm not sorry, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think I think it's just kind of sad to, when uh this is kind of like a Marvel a, a solo Marvel movie for some of these characters. It just feels like filler before we toss them into a team up movie. Yeah. Uh, which I agree has happened like that. I think that happened with Doctor Strange first of all. Um, that happened with Captain Marvel, and it still hasn't really worked yet, and it's going to happen to Shang-Chi. Oh, it's it's just kind of one of the problems of the way that Marvel makes movies. And, like, I think that Marvel has a formula for movies down that is much better than having no formula. Mm-hmm. But, like, the cracks start to show up when you hit movie number 30. Yeah, exactly. 
but I think it's just the way they, they do things now. I'm kind of accepting that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, who else was there? There was Aquafina. Aquafina, she was good. I really liked her. I, I, I Unfortunately, I don't think I liked her because of the writing or the directing or anything. I thought Aquafina was just kind of doing her thing the whole time. Uh, I think you said it right after we came out of the movie. Aquafina is kind of like Bill Burr, where with some exceptions uh mostly they they just give the performance that you would expect from them and for what it's worth i really like that performance i think aquafina is very funny and i like seeing her in this movie yeah i don't think that the writers did like i don't think that's the fault of the writers i think that it's just aquafina being really funny Mm -hmm. yeah same um there was tony or you want to say tony leung for last well tony leung is my favorite part of this movie so we'll we'll save him for last Anyone else you want to talk about first? I guess the sister. I feel bad. I don't know her name. Menger Zong. The last time I looked up this movie, she did not have a Wikipedia page. She mm-hmm. does now. So, like, she is very new. This is actually her first movie, mm. it seems like. She's a theater actress, apparently. It's kind of surprising, honestly. I, she doesn't come off as a theater actor. Yeah, I didn't really like her, to be honest feel really bad. I thought there was a lot of potential for the character there, but again, the writing gave her very, very little, actually. I was surprised, um, especially how, because Marvel seems to be wanting to, like, push for more like, stronger female characters, uh, like, not just, like, in terms of, like, you know, act, like, action. I, I'm talking about, like, meteor roles in movies, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, this was kind of, like, they wanted to, but also they didn't want to, to have her, like, in a big role, if that makes sense. They kind of did both. I'm wondering about some of these Marvel roles. Like, they Marvel just started a really big push into television. Yeah. And, and they've been promoting it through their most recent movies. Like, Black Widow had a Hawkeye tease at the end. This, had a, this has a tease for something at some point in the movie. And, mm-hmm. like, I don't know if we're going to get a Shang-Chi-based series or, like, a Ten Rings-based series or if it's a tease for something else that, that just also isn't announced because nothing's announced yet. But I kind of like mm-hmm. Shu Shelling, who's played in this by Menger Zhang, that's the person we're talking about. She mm-hmm. felt to me like they were putting her there so that audiences have seen her and they will recognize her once they get to the TV show where she's going to have a character arc and writing okay. and a whole character and everything. And so if that is the case, then great. I want to see the TV show. But I think it's a shame, if, uh, but also if that is the case, I think it's a shame to like set up an actor specifically to make the TV show good, or, like with the intention of making the TV show good and not do anything with them in the movie. Yeah. Again, another kind of, I guess that's the same kind of growing problem for Marvel, mm-hmm. relying on the future. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I just thought her performance, like the character had a lot of emotional weight to it. There wasn't really much payoff on that. And she was just, the acting itself was very wooden, mm-hmm. not really charismatic at all. I think there was like kind of hints of like, I liked how the character was like hardened a lot, right? But you could tell there was like like a soft undertone to it. Like she wants to be, she wants to be nice. It was just like life forced her to be this way, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, but we never get any like payoff on that of any kind. You know, she's just kind of there. So I thought that was unfortunate. Who else is there? The aunt, Michelle Yeoh. Oh, yeah. With that. She's, she's kind of famous. She's in a lot of she's things. She's basically in this playing Michelle Yeoh. She, she's <laughs> great because she's always great. But like she's she's a minor character who exists to tell Simu Liu to stop making fists. 
and instead open his palms. <laughs> yeah. That was that was really like her only use, honestly. A, a little bit. And like I loved her in this movie, but again, she's a very minor character. I think I like the actress herself mm-hmm. usually. I liked her in a um, I really liked her in Crazy Rich Asians. I remember her. She gave. Oh yeah, that was that. that was probably her best performance I've seen since uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah, so like it was kind of weird seeing her in like what could have been a very prominent role, I think, but ended up being very mm-hmm. not useful at all. If that makes sense. So yeah, and uh, I think that kind of just leaves Tony Leung, who I know you're a big fan of right now. Yeah, so I really like Tony Leung. He's one of like the all-time greatest Hong Kong actors, but I don't actually think we've talked about him on this show because I don't think, I think the only Hong Kong movie we've talked about on our podcast is um, Infernal Affairs, Mm. and I don't think he was in that. But anyway, this is Tony Leung's first ever Hollywood production, which is very cool. I mean, hell of a first Hollywood production. Actually, it's honestly like a hell of a first film for so many of these people. Simu Liu, this is this is actually, I think, his first big Hollywood movie. Mm-hmm. Unless you count Pacific Rim, where he was an extra. That's crazy to think about. That. So, like, he's just coming right out the gate into a Marvel movie that did really, really well, by the way. Yeah. Aquafina has been in a lot of things before, but, like, this is probably her highest profile movie. Um, Menger Zhang is coming straight from uh, straight from theater. Tony Leung, he's never been in a Hollywood production before, and now he's in one of the highest grossing Marvel movies in ages. Yeah. So like, it's a hell of a career move. Doing pretty good. Not that it will necessarily help his career because his career doesn't need to be helped. He is one of the most successful people in Hong Kong. Yeah. But still. <laughs> yeah, close enough. Yeah, I think he was like, so he plays the bad guy, mm-hmm. uh, Wen Wu, who is a version of the comics character, the Mandarin. And, like, he's just really good in this movie. He plays, like, uh, this warlord who has been hardened after, like, a thousand years. And, like, he carries around Ten Rings. So that's where the Legend of the Ten Rings comes from. That's why he's called, like, he calls his organization the Ten Rings. And, like, he uh, has a lot of good monologues Mm. uh, in this movie. I think my favorite thing about his performance, though, is, like, he plays this very, very stoic person. And like, mm-hmm. it does not necessarily have to be hard to play someone who's stoic because you can just play a very wooden performance and like someone might call it stoic. But like, that's not what he does here. He plays this character where like, he's never giving off any emotion except for like a couple of very brief flashes. And then it's like all at once. Like at one point, uh, like at, at one point he gets very angry for plot reasons at someone and uh, I think you went to the bathroom during this scene actually but he just like kills an entire room of people really really brutally and it's like one of the best action scenes in the movie mm, I was in the bathroom for that <laughs> there's a couple of scenes where like he's talking and you know fairly he's, he's you know warm enough fairly emotionless but then like he'll bring up his dead wife and like you see just this flash of pain that like is usually the mark of a good performance and here it is too like being able to like just really subtly portray those emotions but really effectively mm. anyway he does that a lot in this and i like it a lot uh what do you think of tony leon you could tell he's a very experienced actor definitely the best performance in the movie i just don't think his character got enough time to shine like that there's that one scene i loved a lot is when he is talking with his kids at the dinner table, kind of like the Black Widow mm-hmm. scene. That was really cool because it felt 
very i don't know he felt like a real person if that makes sense other parts of the movie like obviously he's um he's he's still a person right and he, he saw them mm-hmm. like in the emotional emotional arc is there but i think the lack of interaction between him and his family really hurts the character just because a lot most of his interactions involve just him and his his crew right mm-hmm. and they don't have anything interesting about them right so it doesn't i don't think he really got an, any chances to bounce like those emotions off anyone else enough until like maybe later in the movie where it didn't really matter to me anyways it was kind of too late but that that mm-hmm. one dinner scene where he's talking about how like important your name is if that makes sense that was really cool and i thought he did that really well and that really stuck with me honestly mm-hmm. but yeah i think uh, it's kind of sad that i i think there was a lot more there that marvel could have played with but i think it was just kind of thrown away later um despite his like what could have been an amazing performance i think it was just good because of what he was given. Yeah, I think Tony Leung also kind of suffers from the writing a little bit as well, but in a different way than the rest of the cast, because, mm-hmm. like, he's not given too little to do. He's given kind of the wrong things to do. Mm-hmm. I feel like all the writing went into, or a lot of the writing went into making his monologues really good, because <laughs> he's got really good monologues, like, yeah. in almost every scene he's in. Yeah. And as you said, like that, the strongest scene probably in the whole movie is him talking to his kids over the dinner table. And like, just like in Black Widow, the scenes where the bad guy is actually interacting with the good guys are the strongest scenes in the movie. Mm -hmm. The problem is that like, there's just not enough of them. And at a certain point in the plot, like all of the good guys just find a way to escape and then they're nowhere near him for a bit, which makes sense plot in terms of the plot but like it does mean that we get more of tony leung in a vacuum which is not where he shines in this movie yeah which is unfortunate but i don't know i feel like i can't get much more into it yet without talking about the plot so i thought like i could i guess this the movie is more influenced by i guess like older kung fu movies than i thought i guess like in terms of the styling of the action Mm mm-hmm um, at least in certain points of the movie with the because it's kind of like they had powers right but like yeah kung fu powers which uh, allowed them to have the weird physics that like some of those old like movies used to have you know with the flying kicks oh still the, do yeah and still do yeah yeah to me the strongest fight scene in the movie is the very very first one because mm-hmm. like the the genre that like has a lot of those fight scenes is called the wuxia genre in those movies the fights are really more like interpretive dances because like i think kind of the point is once you get to that level of skill in whatever the movie's about the actual fight would not be that interesting because it would just be like a couple of moves and then one person would fall over dead yeah (laughs) so instead those fights are like drawn out and choreographed in ways that are that make it almost more of like a visual poem or a metaphor than like a fight scene and I think they did that really, really well where they did that, which was once at the beginning and once at the end. I think that like it tried to incorporate that into a lot of fight scenes. It wasn't in every fight scene, but I think the best fight scenes in this movie were more based on those wuxia fight scenes than on, you know, the typical Captain America type action, which admittedly Marvel does very well. The like standard action scenes in this were still pretty good. Yeah, I thought they were well choreographed. I hear a lot that Marvel does all their fight scenes separately, like with a different stunt crew or whatever. Um, like they have a dedicated stunt crew for and and like 
cinematography crew for fight scenes but um i think movies like this show that i don't think that's entirely true i thought the the action in this was a lot more well done than some of their other recent movies i think it lacked a little oomph i i think it might maybe it was the sound design or something like it, it never felt very like brutal enough it felt very I don't know, clean, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And like over choreographed, maybe. But, you know, they didn't rely too much on cuts, which I liked. There was some very cool shots within the fight scenes themselves. Obviously, later in the movie, they Marvel really suffers from the third act bloating of action pieces and stuff like that. But I think the start was pretty solid. Oh, I don't think it was as bad in this movie as it has been in the past. But like, it was still bad. That yeah. third act, Marvel <laughs> has got to figure out that third act. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of sucks, but yeah, like there was um, what the the bus scene, right, where they fight on the bus was really cool because they really made. I think they made full use of like that poten- the potential of a fight in a bus, if that makes sense, right? Oh yeah, well, and I think I what I really liked about the bus scene is uh, Aquafina and Aquafina's character is Katie. Katie mm-hmm. and Shang Chi are like introduced as valets, so like literally their job is driving people's cars. And an integral part of the bus scene is that the driver gets knocked out. So someone has to drive the car, mm-hmm. which I thought was just a really cool way to, I mean, the movie had only been going for like 20 minutes at this point, but I thought that was a really cool way to already integrate everything the movie had already been talking about into one fight scene. Yeah, it was great payoff and like set up and payoff. I, I loved how, I guess they gave like the, the sidekick a role, if that makes sense in that fight scene too. Like it wasn't just, because like, uh, like in, in like I feel like in the early days of the Marvel movies you'd have like the female like love interests would just kind of like they, they were just like a, a a side piece you know like they might get mm-hmm. attacked or the hero has to save them or whatever I thought it was cool that they showed Aquafina was really great at driving and then utilized that in the scene so they both had something to do and it was interesting right so mm-hmm. I thought that was cool I thought the what there's that other fight scene on the in the build on the side of the building with the with the scaffolding, the bamboo scaffolding, kind of reminiscent of the Rush Hour Two fight scene at the start of the movie. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that with Jackie Chan I, and I don't. Tucker. You don't? Okay, that that it, it kind of sucks because I think the one in Rush Hour Two is so much better done because it was like you know uh, Jackie Chan obviously, but this was still pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I think like I, I didn't like the fighting. <laughs> Other than that. Oh, oh, the Ten Rings, though. I thought the Ten Rings were used really well. Oh, yeah. I thought it was really cool because, like, it's a power that didn't seem arbitrary. Like, I don't know how many... I don't know what a really good arbitrary power in the Marvel Universe would be. Maybe to pick on Captain Marvel, like, a lot of her powers are just... She shoots a laser at a guy and it's a really <laughs> yeah. powerful laser this time. Yeah. But, like, the Ten Rings, like, any time any of them got used, it had to be very deliberate and you understood exactly what was happening. And, like, the choreography really, really used those ten rings, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. There's one scene where Tony Leung just punches Simu Liu twice in very quick succession mm-hmm. into an ocean or into, like, a huge lake. And the way that he does it only works if he has the ten rings. And it, like, is it's so cool to see it happen. Yeah. I can't even really describe what it looks like. It's just one of those things where I was like, this is a cool scene. Yeah. I agree. I wish I wish we kind of saw them be more lethal, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, other than that, I thought it was great. But actually, okay, wait. Can we talk a bit about the the lethality of some of these weapons? I 
for some reason, Marvel lately has been like it's really weird going from Iron Man one, which was a very grounded, realistic take on a superhero. You know, like Iron Man was literally fighting not armies, but like he was fighting very real threats with guns, right? Which I think was mm-hmm. part of what made that movie feel so good because it was like, okay, he's actually facing threats, real threats. He needs this armor to survive, right? He cannot do it without it. Right. This movie was like, for some reason, the Ten Rings, which is supposedly one of the biggest, I guess, terrorist organizations in the world, uses staffs with tasers on the end slash arrow tasers too, like electric arrows or something like that to hurt people. It was really weird. And one guy had like a weird sword prosthetic, which was also didn't also didn't make sense. It really made the Ten Rings feel like a baby organ. <laughs> like they were like, I guess he's not the Mandarin, but like Tony Leung's character at the at the start is at one point of the movie is like the Ten Rings has been like like toppling governments and destabilizing stuff and gaining power over the last thousand years, right? And then the Ten Rings is just kind of like. From what I can tell, it's like a group of 30 people with tasers that just kind of go around and do stuff. And they have jeeps, too. That's basically it. Yeah, it's weird. The Ten Rings was built up to be a big threat, but, like, they really weren't. Or they didn't feel like it. No, not at all. As you said, they're fighting with tasers, so... (laughs) Yeah. Why can't they at least use swords or something? I mean, one guy had a machete, so clearly they're not anti-sword. Yeah. But no, this was like a laser sword. It was... It's not... Maybe they didn't want a regular sword because that's like too violent. So they're like, a laser sword is way cooler because it had like, it was glowing or something like that. I don't know, man. It just, it didn't make any sense. And it really made a joke out of it. Like, like the 10 rings, because I'm assuming the 10 rings, the, like the, the 10 rings existed in Iron Man 1, right? I'm pretty sure it's technically the same organization. I think so. They were way more dangerous than the main faction of the 10 rings. You know, same thing with... Iron Man 3, I think the extremist soldiers were way more were way more dangerous than the actual Ten Rings, despite the Ten Rings in Iron Man 3 being like a fake organization. So it was a little ridiculous to see that. Uh, and it's something I've been noticing a lot, like mm-hmm. a lot more in in Marvel stuff. Like with Black Panther too, like the whole like oh guns are primitive and then they're like throwing spears at each other and stuff. It, it just feels weird to me, man. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know why we have to go to this weird, we only fight with like glowing sticks type shit. I don't like that at all. But anyways. That's like everything in this movie. <laughs> Basically. Do you want to talk about the, the, the plot of this the movie, movie in a little more detail? <laughs> sure, yeah. Are we, are we doing spoilers or? At this point, if you're still listening, here's the, here's the spoilers part. Do you want to rate this movie before we go on or do you want to do that at the end? I'll probably rate it like a, a five. I think maybe a four. All right. I think I liked it a little more than Pierre did. I'm going to go like either a, either a good six or a soft seven. Mm. But anyway, there's your there's your like brief rating. We'll return to those at the end. Uh, if you have not seen this movie and you want to, uh, stop here because this is spoilers now. All right, Pierre, let's talk about the Ooh. dragon. Oh, God. <laughs> it was so <laughs> dumb. I got to justify that spoiler tag. Uh, I'm sorry. The... the... You you said that like the third like Marvel is like more conservative. This time they like it was way too much, dude. Like I thought Black Widow was bad. This was way worse in my opinion. Really? I thought what I thought Black Widow was worse. I mean they were both 
really bad. <laughs> For me, Black Widow was worse because the ending was also like stupidly tonally inconsistent with the rest of the movie. At the very least, the like a dragon flying out of the lake in the end of this movie is like it's tonally consistent. It's the, the <sighs> entire ending is dumb, but like the dragon makes sense. Uh, felt kind of like a do sex machina in my opinion. Like obviously they explain it before, but like, like why why didn't the dragon just come out and fight the fucking soldiers at the start? So the the bad guy of like the the final boss of this movie is this giant eldritch creature that steals souls and he fights a dragon. Yeah, and like, why does the end of this movie that's been like pretty good about its action scenes and has established a very very good villain why does it need to have us have two monsters fighting at the end just don't have that have it be like an all-out fight between uh the two different martial arts territories because like that's what you're building up to yeah and like the best part of the ending is the fight between uh wenwu and shang chi so like just make it a longer fight and, like, give the other characters some people to fight. I think that would have been a better end. Yeah, a lot better. And also a lot cheaper to make. <laughs> like, Probably, yeah. All that stuff. Like, that's all I really asked for. I just wanted, like, a one-on-one fight to finish it. But, yeah, I don't, like, I kind of stopped caring when the dragon came out. Um, I mean, I stopped caring long before that, if I'm going to be honest. I think the whole, <laughs> like, I guess it's kind of a reference to, because I noticed Kung Fu Panda 3 did this too. It's, it's a very similar final battle uh, setup. But Kung Fu Panda mm-hmm. 3, the second act was kind of training in the village, preparing for the final battle with the village. And then that's kind of what happened at the end, right? Um, against the the invaders. Yeah, and at the end of Kung Fu Panda 3, Poe fights the bad guy they've been building up, though. Mm-hmm. Where in this, like, Shang-Chi has to summon the dragon to fight the bad guy they just mentioned. Yeah. The fight with the bad guy they've been building up still happens, but it ends up not being the final boss. I'm going to say that again of this movie. And like, (laughs) it should be. Yeah, of course. Well, that's the whole point of the movie. I thought the whole point of the movie builds on the relationship between Wenwu, the father, and Shang-Chi, the son, right? Because, and like kind of almost resolving, I guess, that abusive relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think that's that's a pretty easy like that's the that's the core of the movie because that's what's relatable you know like everyone everyone's had trouble with family right and i mean that's been a common theme in a lot of movies this year i've noticed this is this is Um, the year of family yeah they're, they're really sticking to it but yeah the that's that's what was interesting you know and um when it kind of feels like it it kind of felt like it was tossed aside for this like big dragon on dragon battle and then they tried to bring shang chi Shang-Chi, the sister, and Aquafina in to, like, help, but, like, it honestly felt like they were, like, oh, shit, like, we have this cool dragon-on-dragon fight. What the hell are the other three main characters gonna do in this fight? How can we make them relevant at all in, in at this stage of the movie? But it doesn't have to be hard, because, like, Shang-Chi fights Wenwu. Yeah. Potentially Shang-Chi and his sister fight Wenwu, mm-hmm. and whoever they decide is the second combatant that person fights Razor Fist. There you go. We've built up Razor Fist as, uh, as Wenwu's second in command. And yeah. he already had a fight with Shang-Chi at the very beginning. So like pay off the fight with Razor Fist. Yeah. It feels like the choices to make are easy. I don't know about writing that scene, 
but the choices they should have made seem obvious to me. Well, uh, yeah, I feel like they were just like, oh, you want to be cool dragon? People like dragons, and then they kind of toss the dragon out there. Maybe they're hoping to like bank on the the Game of Thrones hype that ended like two years ago or something. I don't know. But yeah, like that was just a really bad final act. I think the the, the second act was pretty bad too, honestly. The nothing really happens. It really drags. I never I don't like the aunt's character. I thought she doesn't really like she's supposed to be a family, right? But she doesn't really mm-hmm. add anything. She's just kind of there for a big exposition dump, which happens a lot in this movie so much exposition it was like guardians of the galaxy two level exposition but at least it was kind of funny in that movie and inventive this one was just really boring i feel like i could just keep ranting so i don't know i mean you're free to keep ranting i uh actually mostly liked this movie so i'm uh i'm very interested to see all the things you didn't because like so far i don't actually disagree with you that much on it okay the exposition dumps mostly didn't bother me Mm-hmm. Because the biggest one is right at the is right at the start, and when the exposition dump is happening at the start, it's like explaining who Tony Leung's character Wenwu is. Mm-hmm. It's also showing everything, so like, yeah, it's still exposition, but those are just some of the coolest scenes anyway. So it's really just like a narrated history of the Ten Rings, which is yeah. fine. Uh, the exposition dump where they introduce the bad dragon. <laughs> That one sucks. That one sucks a lot, actually. Yeah, yeah. Because they all they do is they show a wall, and like I don't remember any of it because I tuned out both times I saw this movie during that point. Yeah, it was just really boring. All right. Wait, so can I go off? Is this like my Oh, moment? yeah. Keep going. Keep going. This okay. is your moment. I'm going to go through it step by step. All right. So we have the start of the movie. I, I, I think the first act was the best act, but I think there was a lot of things wrong with it in terms of uh the dialogue was really rough you could tell they they really wanted to get the movie started so they had some cringy lines about uh, oh we've been friends for 10 years you can trust me and like they go to that dinner with their friends and they're what at the dinner their friend basically states the exact state of i guess their their lives which is like for some reason they're like it just felt really unnatural you know because the person's like oh you're not doing anything with your life you should be ashamed of yourself and stuff like that um which was just really generic in my opinion. Like I, I just I I thought it would have been way better if they just showed why they were friends and stuff, like through actions, not just like dialogue or whatever. So that's really, really mm-hmm. lazy screenwriting. I thought the fight club was actually really cool. I enjoyed that. It was a little I'm really interested to see why Wong and Abomination are like friends for some reason. So that's cool. The second act, again, yeah, I, I think I think the Ten Rings was really boring. I thought the relationship between the father and the children wasn't interesting enough. Like, there wasn't enough scenes ex- expanding on that. I thought the, the, the love thing was a little weird. Like, why did he fall in love with the mom? Like, was it because she could fight? Like, when we, right, with the... Because, mm-hmm. like, they never really show why he fell in love with her. As far as I know, right? They, they ate some apples together. They, <laughs> they ate apples... And she beat the shit out of him once, I think. So <laughs> that was what turned him on, I guess, and said he could settle down. Also, I, well, I, I, okay, I'd say the biggest thing, because I guess I've talked about the third act a lot. The biggest thing is just there's no arc over the whole thing. The Shang-Chi, like we talked about it earlier a bit, is like the illusion of a character arc where he's supposed to be a lazy character. And then by the end of the movie, he's like following his destiny and changing the world, right? 
because he killed a dragon or something like that. But he didn't really choose to do it. He already lived a crazy life before. I thought it would have been a lot more interesting if he was like, oh, maybe I don't want to be like ambitious or be a hero. I just want to live my life and be friends with Aquafina, right? Mm -hmm. But they kind of forced that down our throat, especially at the end where they're like, oh yeah, and I killed a dragon and I'm really ambitious now because my I had to kill the dragon and my, my dad's evil. So it, it didn't really change anything. Um, it, looking at a similar example, you can look at Spider-Man 1, right? Where Peter Parker at the start is kind of insecure. And I'm, I'd, I'd say he's unambitious, right? In, in some ways. Um, I guess Or maybe Spider-Man 2, I, I guess. I don't know. Like he's having a hard time with his life, right? Which Spider-Man are you talking about? I'm th- I was thinking Spider-Man 1, but maybe Spider-Man 2 is better. You know, he's criticized a lot for being lazy and not like having his life together, if that makes sense, at the start. Okay, um, once again, which Spider-Man 2 oh, are Spider-Man you talking 2, about? Sorry. Spider-Man 2, sorry. Spider-Man 2. No, Tobey which Maguire. Spider-Man 2? Tobey Maguire. Okay, yeah, cool. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then he undertakes like a character arc where he has to consistently struggle with being more ambitious and like taking control of his life, if that makes sense. Where mm-hmm. Shang-Chi just kind of, he's living his life and he literally does not give a shit until one day someone attacks him and then he's like, okay, now I'm going to be ambitious all of a sudden. Like, this is my life now. So mm-hmm. it wasn't really interesting. Same thing with Aquafina. Her whole arc is I shot an arrow at a dragon and like I kind of did something, you know? That was right. really stupid to me too. Uh, she doesn't really do anything. And also the death of Wen Wu I thought was really forced in my opinion. Like, I thought was... it was a real shame because I think that he's the character in this that had the best arc. And like most of it admittedly happens in the first 15 minutes. And then, like, he's just living out the rest of his arc afterwards. At the end, he just kind of gets his soul sucked and dies. Which is a shame, because as a solo movie villain, I think he's really good. As uh, the leader of the Ten Rings, there's no reason that he couldn't continue to be a major force in the Marvel Universe. Except that he's dead now. So, he can't. Yeah. I feel like they didn't want to, I mean... I feel like he just wanted to do one movie, probably. probably. So I guess like, I understand why he died. But again, his arc, or I mean, his character death didn't really do anything for me because, again, we had no interactions between him and Simu Liu for most of the movie after they escaped. I think they have, like, one dialogue scene together, right? Before the end have, of the movie. Maybe two. I think two. they have, like, two or three. Yeah. So I I don't know. It wasn't great. And it felt really rushed. And I thought it would have been a lot more interesting if he survived because I thought it would have been cool, like, the the whole, like, does does Shang-Chi forgive his father for what he did before? Do they mend that relationship? What about the daughter? You know, like, are they going to mend their relationship either? I don't know, man. It's kind of a a mess of a movie, in my opinion. Like, it's it's competently made, but I, I feel like Marvel just keeps showing me it's like they're trying to prove what Martin Scorsese said, where I feel like we're losing a lot of the artistic, I, I guess, elements of Marvel movies, if that makes sense. Because I didn't really feel anything in this. And I felt very, this one felt very committee made. Mm. Like Thor and Captain America, like the first movies, even like Iron Man 2, they're not good movies, right? In my opinion, they're all right. Yeah. But you could feel they had a lot more heart put into them, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. which made me love the characters, right? This movie doesn't feel like it has any heart, and I don't really care about Shang-Chi at all. 
which could affect his progress in future movies, which is kind of like what happened with Captain Marvel 2, in my opinion, where it's well-made, and it's probably more enjoyable than Captain America, the first Avenger, but there's none of that heart in there, which really sucks. So, yeah. I mean, what I did feel in this movie is I thought the actors were really into it. I think this movie's biggest problem, and, like, I think... I think you'll agree with me, with me on this is actually the writing. And like, it's not its only problem. There's other stuff as well, but like the fact that the actors seemed to be having at least enough of a good time makes me very hopeful that when we see Shang-Chi again in whatever, I don't know what else he's going to be in, but like, I really do think that, that Simu Liu will just have more to work with because he seems like he's into the character I didn't dislike his portrayal. I just don't think he had enough to do. Yeah, that's fair. Um, would you would you be excited? Are you excited for a sequel? Or are you just like, they should just Doctor Strange him and shove him in team-up movies from now on? I don't know. I don't know what a sequel would look like because I'm not really familiar with this character. Uh, yeah. Am I specifically excited for a sequel? I don't really know because I don't know what the entire trajectory of the Marvel Universe is right now. So like, maybe... But the thing is, like, I want to see more of Tony Leung and Simu Liu in these roles. Tony mm. Leung will not be in these roles anymore because he's dead. <laughs> and Simu yeah. Liu, I honestly mostly want to see how he interacts with the other characters. So if I had to pick for those, I would say from those, I would say I am most excited about the prospects of seeing Shang-Chi in Avengers 5. I hope that if he gets a sequel, but like, which, which I'm sure he will. Cause this is a very, very good, uh, th- this did really well at the box office. Um, mm. so I'm hoping that if there's a sequel, like it'll be really good. I'm definitely going to go see it because I, I have to, if you go to theaters <laughs> in this day and age, you have to go see Marvel movies. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I hope it's good. I liked this one enough that, you know, it doesn't make me dread a sequel the most exciting prospect for me is Shang-Chi existing in the universe. That's fair. And that's kind of, I guess, open up a lot of world building for Marvel in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll see, I guess. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to stick with my earlier rating. I'm going to give it, I'm I'm actually going to give it like, like a pretty solid seven. I, I don't actually disagree with most of the negative points that you said here. Cause like, I really do think that it's... I, I think it suffers a lot from the writing. And, like, I mean, if you show me good enough action scenes, I'm always down for it. And, like... <laughs> That's fair. If this movie would have had not this third act at all and could have, like, done a little more with the relationships from the second act, I think this movie would, like, probably be the best Marvel solo movie. The problem is... I'm pretty sure I can give conditions for how every Marvel movie would be the best solo movie. So that doesn't necessarily mean too much, but I did like this a lot more than some other Marvel solo movies. Yeah, that's fair. I will give my rating in a sec, but I forgot we, we didn't talk about what I feel is kind of a pretty vital thing. Sir Ben Kingsley. We haven't mentioned him at all. Oh my God. Yeah. He's important. (laughs) We almost forgot completely. Uh, what did you think of the return of Trevor Slattery? I thought he was like the second best performance in this movie. He was he was really mm. funny. I really liked his monologue about how so Trevor Slattery is an actor. For those of you who don't know, he was in Iron Man three, portraying the character of the Mandarin. He 
gives a monologue on this in this movie about how he got into acting. And it was when he saw Planet of the Apes in 1968. And he just was in awe of how they got the monkeys to do those things. And he asked his mom, mom, how did they get the monkeys to ride those horses? And she goes, no, 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 they're just acting. And he was like, well, if they could get the monkeys to act like they were riding on horses, what can I do? And that's how he became an actor, which is like, I just love that speech so much because it's like a person (laughs) expressing his passions, but he's also very stupid. And it's like yeah. a really, really good balance without making him entirely the butt of the joke. It's yeah. it's really cool. I really like that speech. And like, he's got a lot of really good yeah. moments like that in this. Yeah. I I was I was really excited to see him again. I, I loved him in Iron Man 3, despite like, I guess, being a little disappointed. Um, it was really cool to see him again. And I, I, I like how it kind of ties the band room back into that. Um, I wish he had more to do, I guess. He, like, I don't, I don't want to be mean. He was very much, like, a deus ex machina, I think. I think I'm saying, because yeah. he wasn't set up at all, right? And for some reason, he had this random animal with him that could guide them exactly to the for, the forbidden village uh, with no trouble, right? And he could communicate with it. So um, uh, when you say he, was, he wasn't set up at all, this is a big Marvel problem because he was set up in a bonus feature from the DVD of Iron Man 3, which you can now watch on Disney+, Plus. but it's like, it's setting him up in a completely different piece of media. So he comes across as a deus ex machina, even though in reality, he probably shouldn't be, but he is. And like that's well, what I'm wor- that's what I don't like about when Marvel like overloads cameos their movies with cameos. It's like this is the payoff for something that happened in another movie, and it's not that big of a deal. But like it doesn't have to be here in the first place. Well, okay, I'd say that. Um, acknowledge- okay, I can acknowledge that he was in something else before, right? Which is fair. Mm-hmm. Um. I would say that it was more like the the knowledge he had was very like it felt very weird that Trevor Slattery was coincidentally stationed right beside them and also had a random animal with him that he could talk to that mm-hmm. could guide them exactly to the forbidden forest if that makes sense. I'm not mad they did it, I guess, because I just liked having him in the movie and I think he added a lot of fun to it. Um but it did feel like a cop out if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh like I'm surprised. I'm surprised the when we would never try talking to the creature or whatever either. I don't know, but yeah. Anyways, I was really happy to see him. Um, I doubt I pre- this is probably the last time we'll see Trevor Slattery in anything because I feel like kind of wrapped up his character in a weird way. It did, um, yeah. Even though we don't really see him in the ending, like isn't the last thing we see of him like he's pretending to be dead or something? Yeah, he's acting. Yeah, he's acting dead. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I think it's good. And it was like a pleasant surprise. And he added an interesting dynamic, even though he didn't really have much to do with the movie once he guided them there. So yeah. Anyways, uh, I'm still going to give this movie a four. I I did not like it. And uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just getting cynical, man. I don't know. I've, I haven't no, liked anything from fair. Marvel like, lately. I feel bad. I like these episodes where we disagree. It does make it more interesting. <laughs> the ones where we both hate a lot get really awkward. Like, not awkward, but it's like we'll finish really quickly and then we'll just be like, okay. Like, 
I guess so, that's uh, Pierre, I'm going to, I'm going to just tease our next episode. It's one that we both hate a lot. <laughs> All right, let's get ready to talk about Jungle Cruise. Uh, Jeff, what's the last word? It's Jungle Cruise. Whoa.